Welcome to the Neurological Deep Dive Podcast. My name is Donald, and this is called The Gospel Hour with Don. And today's topic is going to be this question. Are people more valuable than animals? Or we could phrase it this way. Why are people more valuable than animals? In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 12, verse 10, it, it says this, quote, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. According to the Bible, it is wise and right to feed, shelter, and not overwork animals that are valuable to us and also in our care. We should not abuse or needlessly harm wild or domestic domestic animals or domesticated animals. And uh, th that is a principle that is found in the Word of God in, in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 6 and 7. It says this, If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, and the dam sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam with the young, but thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live or prolong thy, thy days. So the word uh, dam there is another word, it speaks of the, the female parent. So it says, this is teaching that if there's eggs or young ones and the mother is with them, it's fine to take the young ones or to take the eggs, but don't take the mother. And this is God's way of saying that we should take care of wild animals. Uh, the young do not know the sweets of liberty, but the mother does. So you see how God is just teaching us not to be cruel to animals. The mother uh, may not be able to survive in a state of captivity, whereas the young probably could survive in a state of captivity. Plus, uh, the breed may fail if you take away the mother also. So, you, uh, so this is God's way of saying that we should not be cruel to animals. And there's another place it's in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 4. It says this, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. So when an ox is doing work for you, it is wise and right to make sure that he, that ox is well fed and well taken care of. So we could see from the Bible that it's not right to be cruel to animals. But, should the comfort and well-being of animals be regarded as highly as the comfort and well-being of people? The answer is no. Human beings are essentially and inherently far more valuable than animals. They're more valuable than your pet. They're more valuable than an endangered species. And here's why. I've got several reasons. Number one, human beings are far superior to brutes when it comes to reasoning, analyzing, and creating. Number two, 
people, men and women, especially males, are made in God's image. Animals are not. Number three, people are moral agents. Animals are not. A moral agent is one who is subject to moral law and capable of moral action. Or a moral agent is one who is subject to the rules of right and to the rules of God. So a moral agent is one who can choose to act in accordance to moral law. Or a moral agent is able also to act in accordance to the law of love. So humans can do that, but animals cannot. So this is one profound difference between the two. Number four, the spirits of people continue to, to exist after death. We can read about that in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. And it says this, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul, soul and body in hell. So this shows that uh, the souls of people never stops existing, whereas the souls of animals do stop existing. And I will show you a verse. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I'll begin reading here at verse 19. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 19. It says, For that which befalleth befalleth the sons of men, befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no pre preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. Okay, so it's saying that we're all going to die, just like the animals. We people, we die like the animals, in the sense that we have one breath, we have one time to live on this earth. Next verse, verse 20, all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? So see, the spirit of the beast, the beast does have a spirit, and an animal does have a spirit, but it dies when it dies. Whereas when the human person dies, their spirit does not stop existing. It does not die in the sense that it stops to exist. And uh, there's, I already read you one verse in Matthew that proves that. But there's another one right here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And he's speaking here of the spirit of man. So um, the spirit of man will continue to exist, but not the spirit of animals. Number five, people will give an account to God for their actions on Judgment Day. Again, reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. So we people will give an account to God for our actions on Judgment Day. Animals have no such day awaiting them.
because again, they are not moral agents. They're not able to love. They're not able to do right and avoid wrong. Number six, man has a conscience toward God and a moral will that is free, able, and obligated to do right and avoid wrong. Animals have no such conscience toward God and no such moral will. Number seven, the souls of people are salvable. That means they're capable of being saved and going to heaven. Brutes or animals and pets, they cannot experience the blessings of salvation because there are no, they have no sin from which to be saved from. Number eight, people are capable and commanded to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love their neighbor as themselves. Animals cannot do this, nor are they commanded to. They're not able to love God. They cannot relate to God, but people can relate to God. We people are able to fellowship with God and relate to him, but animals cannot fellowship with God and relate to him. Number nine, people can love, but animals cannot love in this way. Some people say uh, animals show unconditional love. Well, that's not true. You hear that on commercials sometimes. That's not even close to true. They do not know how to love in the true sense. Uh, and when I say love here, I mean to promote the good of another being. Animals cannot do that. They're not out to promote anybody's good but their own. So, um, but we as human beings, we are able to love, in other words, to express benevolence and goodwill. We can do that. We can promote the good of other beings and we can will or intend the good of another. But animals cannot do that. Number 10, the killing of animals is not murder. The killing of people, that is murder. Murder, according to Noah Webster in his 1828 dictionary, defines murder in this way. It is the act of unlawfully killing a human being with premeditated malice. That's murder. Uh, when the Bible says, thou shalt not kill in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, it really means do not murder. And what is murder? Murder is the selfish killing of people, or it is killing people out of malice, premeditated malice. That's murder. So it is impossible for you to murder a cat or a dog or a bird it's not murder, what you're doing is you're killing that person, that, that uh, animal. Number 11, it is proper for us to eat flesh or the flesh of dead animals, but not to eat the flesh of dead humans. Jesus and the apostles ate fish and other meats. You can read about it and Peter was asked to eat. He had a vision and, and, and God told him to eat what was in that vision there in Acts chapter 10. And there were all kinds of animals there. 
and Peter was commanded to eat them. Uh, and of course, that was God's way of telling the Jews that it was okay. After Christ came, and after the church was instituted, it was okay for people to eat meat, and all kinds of meat. Uh, lobster, clams, uh, these meats were forbidden to the Jews in the Old Testament, but they're not forbidden to anybody nowadays because Christ came and God's new program and new method of reaching the world for God is through his church, which is made up of both Jew and Gentile. So that's uh, number 11. Here's another one. Uh, number 12, God used the skins of animals, of dead animals, to clothe human beings. That shows that animals exist for us, for we humans. So that means human beings are more valuable than animals because it's okay to use the skins of animals for us to clothe ourselves. And um, that's number 12. And number 13, another reason why animals are less valuable than humans is Jesus himself said, are ye not much better than the fowls? Uh, he said that in Matthew chapter 6. He, uh, let me quote the verse. This is in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. He says, but the fowls of the air, uh, he says, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So he's saying that God takes care of the birds. But then he says, Are you not much better than they? In other words, are you not much more valuable than the birds? Implying, of course, that God will take care of us, especially if we seek him first and his kingdom. So all these considerations that I gave that show that human beings are more valuable than, than animals, these considerations make a person's body, soul, and spirit far more inherently precious and valuable and deserving of honor than any pet, any animal, any endangered species. It's very important to know this because uh, there is a movement to uh, give uh, animals rights that are equal to those of people well this is a very dangerous movement and it actually works against God and it works against people if we're gonna take part in that movement so unlike the animals human beings are morally able and required to do right and avoid wrong doing right consists in obedience to God's law or to the Ten Commandments doing right consists in goodwill. That is, it consists in willing the good of God and mankind in general. That's what it means to do right. To, to will or to intend the good of God and the good of mankind in general. Or put another way, our moral obligation is to intend to promote the highest possible interests of God, first and foremost, and the highest possible interests of mankind in general. 
Man is able and therefore morally obligated to love God supremely and to love his neighbor as himself. And you can read about that in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 40. But animals have no such ability to love God supremely and their, their neighbor as themselves, and nor do they have the obligation. They're not obligated to. So animals or pets are not able to intend the good of other beings. And for this reason, they are much less beneficial and less intrinsically valuable than human beings. The choices of animals are governed by instinct, self-preservation, self-gratification, or a habit formed in them through human training. Now let me define the word instinct. So animals are governed by instinct. Instinct means an inborn pattern of activity. It means the innate impulse or the natural inclination. That's what instinct means, natural inclination. So animals are governed by instinct, also by self-preservation, by self-gratification and habit formed in them. Anim animals cannot act from higher motives Planes as from people can. Form. As people can. They act based on their appetites, cravings, or instincts without regard to the pleasure or well-being of God or of other beings. Animals are only concerned about surviving, about personal satisfaction, and their own interests. But humans are much different. We were not created to make self-interest our ultimate end. We were not hardwired to make the gratifying of our senses, appetites, or instincts our supreme aim. Instead, we were designed by God to act in accordance with moral law despite our inborn appetites and feelings. However, we must keep in mind that our appetites and feelings, which are inborn, may not be bad and sinful in themselves. They are inherently legitimate, proper, and useful. Again, why? Because we were born with them, so they're inherently all right. The problem is when the fulfilling of our desires and feelings become the ultimate end toward which we act. If the gratifying of our senses or emotions become the ultimate thing at which we aim, or if we violate biblical law, in gratifying them, then we are living like the animals and not the way we were created to live. Dogs, cats, hamsters, horses cannot love as people can. True love, the kind that we are able and morally bound to express, consists in willing or intending the highest possible good to God primarily and to mankind secondarily. Now, when I say true love, I'm talking about goodwill. I'm talking about disinterested benevolence. Disinterested benevolence is a term that Bible believers in early America used to use a lot. 
Disinterested means not governed by self-interest. And benevolence means goodwill or being kind. A lot of people are kind because there's something they want in return. That's not true love. That's self it's a form of selfishness, really. True love is disinterested benevolence. It is when you do good to people for their sake or for the sake of glorifying God. That would be disinterested benevolence. Animals can express feelings and emotions. They can make choices. They can sometimes display what appears to us as great acts of courage, loyalty, or goodwill. But they are not acting from the principle of true love or from the principle of disinterested benevolence. And by the way, when I talk about true love, I also mean this. Do no harm. That should be our goal in everything you do. If, if some act, some habit, some choice you make does harm to another, then that's a good indication that that's wrong. Uh, not always perfect, but it's a good indication. Uh, and here's the other thing. We as humans ought to act in this way to alleviate as much suffering as possible. But again, within the confines of God's law or biblical law. So that's what we should do. Try to avoid as much, or not avoid, but alleviate as much suffering as we possibly can. That is a kind spirit. And that's the way we are supposed to act and live. But animals don't live that way at all. Animals are not acting, and they don't act out of an aim to please God or to benefit anybody else. They are simply acting out of instinct, out of self-interest, or out of human training, even as many people do sometimes when they are tempted. In fact, the man of sin, quote unquote, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, he's called the beast in Revelation chapter 13. So the man of sin is called the beast. He's also called the Antichrist in other places. So this all implies that the Antichrist or the beast will act as a monster because that's what the word beast means monster or it means animal so the antichrist who is trying to rule the world and there will be an antichrist who will rule the world and you could see right now that everything that's taken place in this world is grooming or preparing uh, the the uh, situation for the antichrist to arrive on the scene well this antichrist will act as an animal. He will be supremely selfish and he will not do what God wants. Many people act selfishly and therefore sinfully. But all animals invariably act selfishly or self-interestedly. Though not sinfully, because they are not able to act otherwise. So animals cannot sin, but they are governed by self-interest. When your dog licks you on the face when you come home, or the cat brushes up to your ankles when you come home, it is not seeking to promote your highest good. It's not acting out of love. It's just doing what it 
instinctively does because these animals are pack animals. They like to be around other beings. Uh, it, but it, it's, so it's not just doing what it instinctively does or what it has been trained. It, that's all it's doing is what it instinctively does. Or it does what it has been trained to do. Or it does what it thinks will lead to some food or to some favorable attention. Self-interest or self-gratification is the ultimate end in all the actions of all animals. Their end, their object intended to be reached in all their choices, is to survive, to gratify their cravings, to please themselves. And to please themselves regardless of the good of other beings. That's how they live. But people are able and morally bound to choose a different and more valuable end in life. We are not to live as animals do. The purpose intended in all our actions ought always to be to promote the highest possible good to God and to mankind in general. And when I say mankind in general, I mean that includes, of course, good to yourself, personal good to, you know, to do your uh, to promote your own well-being nothing wrong with promoting your own well-being what's wrong is when you put your own supposed good or your own well-being ahead of god's pleasure or ahead of uh, the benefit of your fellow man in other words we should never hurt other people in our effort to promote our own good or our own interests yes it is proper and right to promote our own interests and to gratify our own inborn appetites. But this must be done only within the confines of the moral law, which is revealed more or less in everyone's conscience and revealed perfectly in the Holy Bible, specifically in our English Old English Bible called the King James Version. Serving God and people is to be the chief and final aim in all our choices. You can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Very clear. It talks about, uh, he's, he's speaking to Israel and he's telling them to love God and fear God and serve God. And, uh, and, and he says, do this for your own well-being. I'm reading now. In, uh, this is Deuteronomy chapter, 12, uh, ten, cha 10, chapter 10, verse 12. It says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. See how God's laws are given to us, not to hurt us, not to take away our freedom, but to give us more freedom and to give us more well-being. Notice it's all for thy good. You want well-being? The key is to do, do well and you will have well-being. So caring for animals has its place too but only if God is not displeased and if people are not hurt. 
God is not against the fulfilling of our desires for food, for survival, for companionship, for comfort, for ease, even for sexual intimacy. But he surely has many precepts and rules regulating how we are to fulfill these desires. There's a right way and a wrong way. Now, let me give you some comments, kind of like concluding remarks. It's a long conclusion, but here's number one. One reason many grow unduly attached to animals, especially nowadays, is to compensate for the lack of good relationships with God and with other people. Jesus foretold in Matthew 24, verse 12, he says this, quote, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. See, because iniquity, sin, that's what iniquity is. It comes from inequity. Sin, when that abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Because how do you love people? It is by not sinning because it's sin that works against the good of people works against your own good and the good of against the good of others because sin and vice thrive in our culture good relationships with god with family and friends suffer as a result therefore love and affection for pets and animals is often turned to as a substitute for poor human relationships. Here's another point in concluding. The placing of animals on equal, on an equal or similar level with humans naturally leads to many crimes against God and against humans. Idolatry is one such crime. It is very wrong to worship or serve the creature more than the Creator. Romans chapter 1, verse 25 will say that. Valuing the well-being of polar bears equally with that of God or human beings is deserving of damnation. You can read about that in Revelation 21, verse 8. It says, All, idolatry, all, all idolaters shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Abortion, that's another crime. Some reason that if killing a preborn chick called an egg can be used to satisfy human desire, then what is so wrong with killing a preborn child to satisfy another human desire? See, that's their reasoning. So we better not ever put the value, we should never value animals as highly as people. Uh, the Bible says no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It says that in 1 John 3.15. It says don't hate your fellow, your brother. He that hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So hatred for your fellow man is in essence murder it's murder in the heart it's not the same as actual murder physical murder but it is a wrong spirit and um, hatred should not be part of our lives we should not hate people because why people are valuable 
even though sometimes people mistreat us or they might not be doing a valuable act at the time that does not give us the right to murder them in our heart or in in actuality the notion that all life forms are equal is false it may also even lead to physician assisted suicide which is also self-murder that's what suicide is it's self murder of self if putting to sleep and quote unquote a very sick animal is legitimate and proper then what can be so wrong with putting the very sick elderly to sleep quote unquote and that's the reasoning and if you look today uh, even this is embedded in our healthcare system they have a way of putting to sleep the elderly when they're a little too expensive to take care of and uh, that is a degree of murder and that stems from uh, valuing animals or at least valuing animals can lead to that but uh, there's just a devaluing of human life in every way shape and form these days and uh, again if you want to attack the rights of human beings all you have to do is give animals rights and more rights than what God wants them to have it's the same with feminism how do you handcuff the men and and control the men in a society it's very simple you just give women or children more rights than what God wants them to have and by doing that you will actually uh, confine and enslave the men and that's all part of the communist movement that we're seeing taking place all around us every day it's so widespread that most of us can't see it anymore we are being enslaved to a degree that is unimaginable I don't think the human race is has ever seen this kind of slavery as we are seeing now and um, I, I don't have time to go into all of the ways that this is a fact but it is true we are being enslaved and uh, the one way they do it is they give rights more rights to certain beings than what they ought to have like uh, I don't believe Satan should have as many rights as God well in our public schools they give our public schools right now are formally actively giving the devil more rights than Jesus Christ and then God Almighty that's what's taking place in our schools right now and you say well how, how can you say that well they allow Halloween to be observed in our public schools uh, they have a problem with this whole Christmas when they put Jesus in it now I, I don't observe Christmas but still uh, I have no problem with teaching about the birth of Christ and and the virgin birth and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ but they can teach all kinds of uh, false religion in our uh, public schools now uh, the only religion not acceptable is pure Christianity or the truth about God that is being uh, uh, not allowed so animal the animal rights movement leads to a lot of problems it leads to the misappropriation of many taxpayers dollars it leads to excessive restrictions on businesses and on property owners it leads to the loss of property rights 
How many times have we seen in the past where they couldn't build, somebody couldn't build a building there because there was a swamp there, it was a wetland. And of course we had to protect the frogs in that wetland. But uh, it's amazing though, the big businesses that have all the money, they're able to build on wetlands because uh, they control everything. And uh, they don't live by law, they live by their law, which is what an animal does. It lives by its law. And uh, that's what the beast is all about. That's what the Antichrist is all about. It's all about him having his way. And um, people, by the way, are gladly getting on board, it seems like. Uh, but may God help us to, to fight the, the, the movement of world communism. And that's really who's behind all these. Uh, the, the animal rights movement. It is a movement that is being propelled by the communists and the Satan worshippers and the antichrists and the leftists and the Marxists. And yes, the Jesuits are behind it and the Vatican is behind it. And uh, that's what, uh, that's sad, but that's the facts. Um, the animal rights movement also leads to global police officers or policemen and so on. And I guess we could add quite a bit more to that. But um, so it is a serious issue. When animals are valued as much as humans, it invariably causes humans to be treated as animals or worse. And that's what you're seeing. The more rights that animals have, the less will we, the people, have. So the animal rights movement is promoted by both those who are deceived and also by the deceivers. Now, a while ago, I talked about you hear um, people advertise that your pet shows unconditional love. Well, the, the, I want to ask this question, do animals or pets express unconditional love? Well, the answer is no. They do not purpose to promote anyone's well-being, as I already said, or anybody's happiness. That's not what they're concerned about. Pets may show affection and acceptance, but this, even this, and that is a kind of love to show affection, that is a kind of love, uh, and to, to show acceptance, that is a kind of law. But even this has conditions based upon it. If you keep kicking your dog, he's not going to show you unconditional love or unconditional acceptance. He's going to try to avoid your presence as much as he can if you keep kicking your dog. So it's foolish for these people to say, oh, pets show unconditional love. It's not true at all. There's really two kinds of love. There's the love of delight, of acceptance and of approval. It's the love of approbation. It, it's the love where you take pleasure in something like some people love a certain book or they love a person. They take pleasure in that person or they, they take pleasure in ice cream. Okay, that's one kind of love. It's called the love of delight. But then the other kind of love is the love of benevolence, as I already mentioned. And that's the love of goodwill or kindness. And uh, that's the love wherein you are intending to promote the well-being or the happiness of another being or you are attempting to alleviate the suffering that that other pe person is going through or uh, that's that's a love of benevolence so those are the two kinds of love
Now, um, I have this other thing here. Our, okay, here, here is another question. And um, I want to tackle this topic. Are some people more valuable than other people? Now, this is controversial, but I've got to answer this. The answer is yes. Some people are much more valuable than other people. Uh, the more we are godly, or the more we are like God in our character, that makes us all the more valuable. And it makes us more of a blessing to other people. So yes, those who have love in their hearts for God and for their fellow man will be more valuable. And you want to promote this kind of a person in this world. Or else the world will become more and more of a mess. I'm reading now in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20. Verse 20, yes. Quote, The tongue of the just is as choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is little worth. Okay, so the tongue of the just is as choice silver. That means it's valuable. Silver is valuable. Even today, silver is valuable. So if you speak right words, your, your speech will be valuable to other people. And then it says the heart of the wicked is little worth. Okay, the heart is not worth much of the wicked. And a wicked person is just simply one who lives like a dog or lives like an animal or is selfish. A selfish person is a wicked person. Well, we are less valuable if we're going to live wickedly and selfishly. Here's another verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. And when he says the wise there, it's implied in the context, if I read it all. He's referring to the wise in this world, the worldly wise. So the Lord knows the thoughts of those who are wise in their own mind, in other words, that they are vain. So their thoughts are vain. The word vain means empty. It means worthless. So some thoughts are worth, worthless and not deserving of being put on paper or not, be, not deserving of being put on the internet. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says this, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So here, salt is good if it's got its flavor, if it's got its saltiness. But if it loses its flavor or its savor, its, its uh, saltiness, it's good for nothing. You can't put it on your potatoes. You know, you, you could throw it on the ground, and, but it's fit to be trampled underfoot. So salt, and God wants us to be the salt of the earth. And uh, salt is a good preserver, and salt uh, adds uh, uh, pleasure to other people, just like salt adds pleasure to the taste of food. So God wants us to be salty. So if we're not salty Christians, if we're not godly and living for God, then we're less valuable if we're like that. And there are other passages. There's a, a good one in Matthew chapter 23. And 
in verse 25, I'm reading, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Okay, what good is that? That's not very valuable. And then he says, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. These were the religious leaders in Judea at the time, in the Jerusalem area. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So you see, he's saying woe unto them. In other words, you're going to have it tough in, in the afterlife. Woe unto you. You, you will experience much suffering and, and punishment because you are only outwardly righteous and not inwardly righteous. And he's saying they're like full, they're full of dead men's bones. Dead men's bones are not very valuable. And so the more we are Christ-like, the more we are valuable. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, another place, it says that without charity, I am nothing. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse, uh, verse 1 and 2. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it says that if we don't have charity, we are nothing. And you know, there's a, this other verse in Deuteronomy 22.5. It says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination to the Lord. Abomination means detestable to the Lord. In other words, God does not see much value in you if you are cross-dressing. So these are just some verses that show that some people are more valuable than others. So may God help us to live for Christ to do what's right, to put, to, to value human life more than animals, but also to encourage and value those that are doing God's service in a degree that we would not uh, encourage others who are, are, are living sinfully. And if they are living sinfully and in the wrong way, we should encourage them to, to change for the better by our example, as well as by our words. May God bless you. Um, thank you for listening. God bless.